This is Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Unplugged, the podcast where all the artists go to tell it as it is. Careers, music, tours, and more. And here's your host, the man that refuses to eat squid, Pat Calamari. Hey, Pat Calamari here, host of Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Hunker down, staying home, washing your hands, hanging out with your family, reading a book online, checking out new music. I'm really glad to report there's so many artists taking advantage of the time going online, doing Facebook Live or on Instagram and um, just playing and performing. And I think that is really cool, especially taking advantage of not just hanging out. They want to perform and you get all the, the great exposure, especially, you know, if you got new music that you just released or a new book. And speaking of books, I've had a busy week this last week for episode 49. We're talking a review and an interview of a rock star that released a book. And I'm talking one of the most successful bands, female bands of all time. I'm talking the Go-Go's. Let me just give you that little history. 1981, their debut album, Beauty and the Beat, is considered certainly one of the cornerstone albums of the United States' new way, breaking barriers and certainly paving the way for a host of other new American acts. And uh, when that album was released, it climbed the Billboard 200 chart, ultimately reaching number one, where it remained there for six consecutive weeks. The album sold over two million copies and went double platinum, making it one of the most successful debut albums of all time. And the Go-Go's were nominated for Best New Artist Award at the 24th Annual Grammy Awards. The Go-Go's have sold over 7 million records worldwide. More recently, uh, from July of 2018 to January 2019, a musical ran on Broadway at the Hudson Theater called Head Over Heels, featuring the songs of the Go-Go's, which is really cool. And they even had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is awesome. And hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, they got a tour coming out, 11-city tour, which was so scheduled to begin in June, covering just 11 cities so far, West Coast, East Coast. But I had the privilege to talk to a wonderful person, wonderful artist, and uh, that would be Kathy Valentine, the uh, bassist for the Go-Go's, but she's a bassist, guitarist, she's a singer, she's a songwriter. She wrote the hit Vacation which is the title track of the Go-Go's second album. And recently released a rock and roll memoir entitled All I Ever Wanted. And it's a really good read, very good read. Um, And it's not easy talking about your life growing up. And she talks from her, uh, I would say, real young teenage till I think she gets to be 30 years old. 
And, um, you know, a memoir talks about what she really wanted, and that was to be in an all-female rock band. And as I mentioned in the interview, dreams do come true, hard work pays, and timing, and uh, everything. And you hear the whole story, or at least her perspective, uh, from her side of being in that great band. And it's great to know that they... You know, they had their ups and downs, like anything else, but they are all friends. They are all very tight-knit family, and she's looking forward to the tour as well. And she was looking forward to a book signing tour, which was, sadly, because of the coronavirus, a lot of it was canceled. And uh, she has rescheduled some dates. You can go to her website, kathyvalentine.com, and check out all those dates. A really, really good read. If you're a young, inspiring musician, there's a lot of stories about the music business back in the day. I mean, let's face it, they were a young group, you know, like anybody else signing contracts, um, not knowing where it was going to go, and um, it, it really paid off for them. So her personal take of growing up, sex, drugs, and rock and roll book is out. It's uh, published by University of Texas Press out of Austin. I got to talk to Kathy uh, from Austin, and uh, it was really good. So I encourage you to go get that. Support Kathy. She also can be hired as a spokesperson. She kind of does that as well. She probably, I think, does lessons. You can check that all on her website. So sit tight. Keep supporting artists, go to the merch store, buy Kathy's book, buy a go-go CD, buy a t-shirt, buy a autographed picture, buy something for the artists to really help them out, keep supporting them. And I can't thank you enough for supporting me, keeping new music alive, and supporting artists like Kathy. Following on Pat Soundbite's Unplugged Podcast. Of course, wash your hands, stay safe. Call a friend and live, love, and laugh a lot. Life is way too short. Sit back, enjoy Kathy Valentine. Hey, this is Kathy Valentine of the Go Go's, and you're listening to Pat's Soundbites Unplugged Podcast. WBXO Classic Rock redefined in conjunction with Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Things just keep getting better for me. I have a singer, songwriter, musician, and a spokesperson, and now she can add author to her list of successful accomplishments. And I should add, she's also a mom, which is a big accomplishment in itself. And um, she is a member of the most successful female rock band of all times. I'm talking to Go-Go's, and I'm talking Kathy Valentine. How are you, Kathy? Doing pretty good. Thank you so much. And thank you for that really great introduction. I liked it. Um, no, my pleasure. And congratulations, Kathy. Uh, working with the University of Texas Press, releasing her All I Ever Wanted rock and roll memoir book that I actually uh, took on vacation with me down to the tropical islands and i just actually finished up at two o'clock this morning and listened to your uh, soundtrack and uh it is a must buy for anybody that wants to get into the music business i'll just say that talk about a uh 
putting her life right in black and white and ink. She uh, had some interesting times growing up. Her personal take on uh, her life and sex and drugs and rock and roll, of course. But, uh, you know, there's so much to learn in the book, Kathy. Um, and I got notes all over the place. Let me just start off by asking... Um, all right, where do I start? Did you first tell the girls in the Go-Go's that you were writing a book, and did they provide any feedback uh, for you? Well, um, actually, I was out of the band when I started writing it. We had a falling out that began in 2012 and ended up uh, with me not playing with the band until, until I got back um, at the end of 2017. So I started it when I wasn't in the band, and I, I obviously didn't, since I wasn't there on the outs, I didn't discuss it with them, but my intention was never to write a, like, some kind of, you know, spill the dirt. Right. That was never my, it was to write my story, so I wasn't too worried about what they would think. And once uh, we were back in touch, I offered everyone to, to read it before I published. And everybody said, no, you know, you, you do what you want. You know, you, you, we, we trust you, basically. And so I did it. I, I went ahead and, you know, put it out for, public, for publication. And then I got everybody a copy a couple of months ago, and the band likes it. So and it's all good. Excellent. So, and, I'm really, I, I, I really felt all along, and one of the things I love about University of Texas Press was that they didn't, like some publishers, I know they would have been like, spill more, tell more, we want more dirt, this and that, and they, they just said, we want you to write what you want to write. And I felt like this story, the, the Go-Go's is certainly a part of my story. This book is a memoir. A lot of people don't know the, dis the distinction between an autobiography and a memoir. Uh, just to clear that up, an autobiography tends to be the life, and a memoir tends to be a slice of life. Some memoirs, they write like several memoirs like about this section. So mine goes from 1970 to 1990, and that also happens to include the kind of rise and uh, explosion at the go-go. So that's part of the story. Yeah, no, and that's great. And certainly, I think you were extremely honest, and there was no mudslinging or you were after this one. I mean, you were really honest at times of what you were going through in your own life. Do you now that the book is out and you're able to do some interviews, and obviously the girls maybe provided some feedback? Did you meet your goals and expectations with the book? I did. I I'm very proud of it. I I wanted to do the best job I could do, and I feel like I did do the best I could do, and I'm really proud of it, and the only thing that I wasn't expecting was, like, when I was writing it, I was very focused on meeting my deadlines and doing the best writing I could do, but now that it's out, it's a different kind of, like, oh my God, now everybody's going to read this and, and know these things that I did or said or thought, and it's just kind of a whole different aspect now that it's actually out. But I'm getting such a, a lot of goodwill and support and, and really positive feedback, and I love hearing the different parts of the story that resonate with people. That really is nice to hear. 
Absolutely. And what I what we talked about before we hit the record button was the things that stood out for me was certainly all I ever wanted was a is a perfect title of the memoir because that's really what you wanted. All you know, I got I wanna be in an all female rock band and, and dreams do come true. There it all comes you know, timing. If you don't follow Charlotte into the bathroom at the whiskey who knows, you know? Um, I know. You know, it's something as simple as that. And hard work pays. I mean, you got that opportunity. And even though you're a guitarist and not really a bassist, but you learned the songs, you know, eight shows and four nights. And, hey, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. So, you know, for the folks in our listening audience, um, it's there for the taking. It's You know, I always say how I always tell my young adult children um how bad do you want it you know you want it that bad you can do it it's there you know follow your dreams and uh the book brings you full circle you know from the beginning um how it all starts with mom having a sandwich outside and ending up meeting this air force uh serviceman or you know it's got to start with the parents or we wouldn't be here and i thought that was pretty cool um to going full circle of uh getting back with the girls, and even today, uh, the Broadway show, and the documentary, and even um, a, a tour this summer. I think that is really super cool of the world. I know as a music guy, we certainly have missed the Go-Go's. I grew up, you know, we're practically the same age, and uh, grew up in that whole time, and understand it quite well. Um if I may, Kathy, I just want to go through, and I got a list of 100 bullets, but I don't want to take all of your day. Um, some of the bullets starting out, you know, with mom having a sandwich and um, some traumatic, life-changing uh, mom leaving the apartment uh, to hang out with Ronald, and you wake up, and oh my God, you know, mom ain't there. And uh, for any child waking up, uh, that's like, holy crap, what the hell just happened? And, uh, yeah, that would uh, scare the crap out of anybody. I'm going to England and seeing Susie Quattro. I mean, and, and, and I, if I read correctly, Kathy, you um, presented an award to Susie. So you actually met her, you know, and I'm sure you met her a few times maybe and shared um, how much of an influence she was back in 1973, maybe. Yeah, I, I did. I got to meet Susie in 2015 and present her with an award at a, a conference for female musicians and it was awesome and I also had an opportunity to I haven't sent her a book yet I want to but I got to send her a copy of writing where I wrote about what it felt like to see her and she loved it what it, what it felt like to see her for the first time on television in 1973 and I should clarify yeah, no, that's great. Going to Greenbrier, certainly an alternative school, I guess we could call it, um, and, and and meeting Dave, a teacher instructor, and there he is giving out guitar lessons, and uh, I think that gravitated you going, oh, yeah, here's my chance. Again, if you didn't go to that school, um, I don't know what happens, you know, we, we, we don't know. I probably would have written a different book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Good point. Um, 
you know, your parents kind of separated and you get to just hang out with dad and his kind of new family and uh, things happen and um, kind of says, go back to your mom a little. I'll leave the, the, the listeners a chance to read that part, but certainly hard crushing, asking dad, hey, can you help? How about, you know, getting me a guitar and um, kind of, again, you know, a little crushing of the heart of, you know, that you go back to mom. And it's like, what? So you had to learn, live to learn to live with that. You worked your butt off 15 years old in a music store, first guitar, Telecaster, and PV amp. I mean, how excited could you have been then? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it was really important to me writing this book that I convey what everything felt like. I, I, I don't want it to be like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Because basically that gets pretty boring. But I think anybody can relate to humani the humanity of feeling emotions. So I really, everything that was meaningful to me, I wanted to convey on the page what it felt like. And I, and that was a very profound moment with getting my first electric guitar. And I really wanted people to be able to relate to what it felt like when you finally get that kind of the tools of your trade basically you know yeah i mean the dream is there and you work selling i want to say carnations and you put the money together and mom brings you to the store and you buy it i mean you didn't like you know sidestepping well, you know whatever you kept going with it in the days we got into the whole punk rock scene was more big in the uk than the u.s the Runaways play in Austin, where you're where you're from, and I thought that was super cool. I mean, back in the day, you people were able to maybe hang out if you knew somebody, and here you're hanging out with Joan Jett and those guys, and you're learning, you know, firsthand experience, like watching every move they make and how cool they are, and you know, you're putting it, I think, in the back of your brain, going, "Wow, I mean, this is this is what I want." And, you know, hopefully someday at least I'm learning from them. And that had to be a cool experience. Well, I was already playing and in a band. But when I, so it wasn't that when I saw the Runaways, it was, I, I was, I was surprised. I didn't think there were any other people, uh, teenage girls my age in band. So I was surprised and a lot of mixtures of feelings as I wrote in the book. It was like I was I was jealous and I was excited and I was curious because they were like so far ahead. I was still putting bands together and learning how to play and they were like on the road and making albums. So they really inspired me a lot uh, in terms of like showing that, that okay, this, this is definitely something that I can do and maybe I won't be the first one but there were a lot of female bands before the Runaways that I didn't know about. I didn't know about Fanny that had a hit song in the 70s. I didn't know about some bands in the 60s. So I think it's kind of a shame that there were a lot of women playing music and starting bands. Um, but we just didn't know about them all because maybe they weren't as, as big as some of their male counterparts, you know. So, yeah, what, what, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm good. Well, well I, I guess my point was the fact of this just really um, reinforced to, to hang out with them and see them and say, okay, you know, again, my dream can certainly come true. And there were bands, as you just mentioned, that were out there. Um, 
I never knew you wrote the song Vacation until you wrote in the book Your Fling with, I want to say, I guess, Billy. Does he know that he's in the book? <laughs> yes, I let him know. Okay, him know. that's pretty cool. And, uh, he, uh, the word has filtered out over the years that, that uh, he was the muse for that song. Nice. You performed in a prison, and who comes on stage? Buddy Miles from Hendrix's band. I mean, that's like, what are the chances of that happening? That was pretty cool. Um <laughs> And then the whiskey, the Christmas night. I mean, like as I mentioned before, timing is everything. Go into the restroom, and there's Charlotte uh, going, hey, what do you think? And um, you, you know, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, you know, there's a, I could go on and on. The rest is kind of history. IRS, Miles Copeland, and uh, the police, and hanging out with John Bellucci. And, I mean, the, the Go-Go's as a group. I mean, it fit in with the whole MTV, made a, you know, was big back in the day. And you guys doing the videos, your water skiing, and all that wonderful stuff. But then, you know, and I'm not going to ask you, you know, well, what was it? I know you asked, you've been asked a million times, you know, well, you're in an all-female band. But what folks, I learned from the book as a, as a guy is, you know, the challenges just never ended. People really, you guys were... You know, even when a number one hit song and an album, doing all the interviews and the press and everything, you, you got no breaks at all, it seemed. None at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, after having experienced that, I never, ever uh, take anybody's success as something to... I mean, I don't, wouldn't begrudge anybody their success because I know, I know how much hard work goes into it. So, yeah, we, we, it took us a very long time. We, not until we got back together and grown up in the 90s that we realized we could say, no, no, we're not doing that. We need to, we need to rest. We didn't know that when we were young. When you're young and you're getting, you're just getting off the ground and our label was a small label. IRS Records was an indie label. And they did not have a huge corporate budget behind them or helping with this record. So we really, we really just wanted to do everything we could to make the record a success. And we did every interview and everything that was asked of us. And, you know, I think it all helped. I mean, we, it was not easy. As I wrote in the book, we played 90 shows just to get our first single into the top 30. Right. And, and the radio airplay, you know, these people, it seemed like there was such a reluctant, oh, well, it's an all-female band. Well, who cares? I mean, the music that you put out there, but back in the day, you know, I don't know if every male band had to go through that, but it just seemed you guys were, you know, there was a lot of hurdles for you guys to overcome, and you were able to do it. And as a musician, like a lot still do today, you got in that van, cramped up and traveled, and it wasn't easy. And, you, you know, you paid your dues, finally get the tour bus, and uh, even uh, seeing Dad at the show in Tulsa, you know, getting him to... Uh, you know, whisper in your ear, you know, I was wrong. You've done great for yourself, um, you know, and, and get back in that bus going, oh, my God, I actually have a dad, uh, you know, that getting that daughter, being the daughter and, get, and hearing those words from your dad after, you know, that little obstacle of things. Um, opening for the Stones, oh, my God, how cool is that? Yeah, 
Formed by an all-female band, gone to number one, and here you guys are, are on top of the charts, even ahead of the police. There's one reference where you guys open for the police, and Sting, I want to say in Atlanta, comes in with a bottle of champagne and says, "Hey, you guys jumped over us." So that's cool. But business band is a you know music music business. When it came to that money distribution, and as you just said before, IRS is a kind of an indie. Um, an indie management, indie label, and uh, that money distribution was eye-opening. You know, back in the day, signing contracts, people, when I talked to artists, people said, oh, yeah, we just signed a contract. I never read it. I didn't know. And now in today's world, I see people trying to buy their rights more than ever, you know? Yeah, they make it very hard. They make it very difficult for artists to get their masters back because what they tell you is that um, when you signed your contract, whatever, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that you did it as a work for hire. So when a lot of artists try to go back to their big labels and get their masters back, that's what that's what the company comes back at you with, is that you, you did a work for hire, which means we own it and we will always own it. And then if you want to fight that, you, you know, most artists don't have the kind of money to take on a corporation. So it, it's not a good situation, but, you know, it's, it's good now. Um, people people are finding a lot of success, a lot of hip-hop artists, and, uh, you know, people get very successful just by getting their music out there on SoundCloud or YouTube. So, you know, there's still always going to be corporations doing stuff to artists that isn't really right, but it's also, back in the day, that was your only shot at getting your music out there. We didn't have any internet. Right, and you know, I would say, well, wasn't that so cool? You got, you know, you signed with Capital, and then the artist would say, but you got to understand, Pat, if we didn't follow up that number one hit with another album, and they had so many other artists, you know, they didn't put the money and invest into us as much as they did the first time, and before you know it, it's at, you got to get another album out, you got to get another album out, and you got to tour, and you got to tour, and you got to tour, and. As a fan, I never knew that. I mean, I'm going to all these concerts. I'm rocking and rolling. This is great. And now being in this side of the business and meeting folks like yourself and hearing the stories, it's like, oh, you know, oh, my God. Yeah, there was 300 shows a year. You know, a chance to blow your nose. And now here things are so much different technology you can send a wave file you don't have to do 200 shows a lot of artists have their own label now as we said they're buying their rights back and there's no money even though people are streamlining song after song if you get three cents the label to this to that i mean it just it's really sad but Getting back to your book, even reaching the top of the pinnacle, finally getting in Rolling Stone magazine, and here you are 
in a cover in underwear and the go-go's and the title is the go-go's put out you still you know really i mean come on they could even say hey here they are the best female band in the land and the go-go's put out i'm like you can't make this stuff up mm-hmm. i don't yeah, ha- i guess I, I don't have to tell you it's like yeah it was it was quite a quite a, a letdown but you know, you still are excited to be on the cover of Rolling Stones, and we got to be do that twice, at least the second time. And it's also, we really love the photographer. We were big fans of the photographer that took our photos, so we, we trusted her vision, too. The New York Times, it's not easy being rocks, rock sweethearts, business behind the go-go's, and then get into the whole IRS, um, owing money to change the frontline management. Uh, the new album, the, the third album, talk show, and um, Jane not allowed to sing her song, and boom, she disappears and comes back and announces um, her departure from the band. And I think about, man, what if she was allowed to sing? You know, what would that dimension really could have maybe helped the band? Even with Charlotte... You know, you as a guitarist taking over for Charlotte, the, the, there's so much ingredients there that could have really just made the band that much um, solidified, another dimension. But, you know, history... Well, we, were very, we were very young, you know. We were not mature people, and being in a band is not really, uh, isn't really the environment to, to grow up and mature. A lot of... A lot of kids get out of high school and go into college, and they're still kids. And over the four right. years they're in college, they get more mature. Well, if you're in a band for four years, that doesn't happen. You just stay immature. <laughs> so we, we were not, uh, we did not have a lot of uh, mature capabilities to make decisions with, and you know. Right. So we did what we did, but yeah, I acknowledge in the book that that, that uh, you know, looking back in hindsight. It could have only made us stronger to have a, a looser format and to, to care more about what everyone wanted to be happier in the band. Well, I, again, I think what you put into the book um, for a musician out there, it, it, you know, it, you're learning from it. Um, that that show in Rio, I mean, to be brought in a helicopter, I'm pretty good friends with Bernard Fowler, um, and I hate to use the word backup singer. He's a backing vo- professional backing vocalist for the Stones. And when I mentioned, what's the biggest show you ever done? And without a question, oh, my God, we were helicoptered in the Stones in Rio and to see the masses of people. He says, my hair was standing. And I'm sure you went through the same, you know, the same thing. Absolutely. It was, when, I, when I was writing the book and realized that that was our new bass player's very first show, I was just laughing to myself, thinking, you know, to go to join a band and have your first show be the festival in Rio to hundreds of thousands of people. It's like we didn't even think about it, but God, she was brave. I can't imagine that being my first gig with a band. <laughs> And then we got, uh, you know, uh, Paula Jean replacing Jane, and she drops that line, like, who's this new chick, and what is she talking about, about Charlotte? And then it leads to that. I'm sure that date is in, etched in your mind, May 9th, 1985. I'll say the dreaded phone call of going to frontline management and seeing Melinda and Charlotte and you and Gina 
faced and told that the band is no longer and how quickly you know you go from the top of the top and oh my god is this really happening you got to be kidding me you know and we can wrap that up with you know life brings you back in full circle you guys get the uh the hollywood hall of uh, walk of fame you got now the documentary comes out um you got the broadway show i should say head over heels which is really cool and then now you got the summer tour i mean everything is uh full circle i guess we could we could say we can end it as that i think it's great i mean i'm, I'm i applaud well, the, band is, the band has had a lot of healing the documentary on the band is great and it will be on showtime this summer it's a great film uh, it was made by Allison Elwood, who did the Eagles documentary, and she did a fantastic job with the Go-Go story. Um, we're really happy with that. And we have, over the years, uh, we have continued letting go and forgiving and, and, and healing as a band, and we're very much like a family. And uh, you're right. It, 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 I don't know if it's come full circle, because our circle just seems to keep going and going, and... I often say the go-go's are the gift that keeps giving because, you know, to, I never dreamed we'd have a star on Hollywood Boulevard. I never dreamed we'd have a, a musical on Broadway. This documentary is great. And now I have a book that people are really enjoying. And if it wasn't for the go-go's, I don't know if anyone would want to buy my story. So it, it's just a, a really special thing that I feel so blessed and I'm so grateful to have this band have been such a big part of my life. Well, again, I, I certainly applaud you. It's never easy putting your whole life out there. Well, I wouldn't say your whole life, but a lot of your life out there <laughs> of the good, the bad, the ugly. You show your, your everything in your childhood a little bit and when, with your mom and then your dad. And then you met so many great artists. I mean, uh, to hang out with, uh, you know, Lenny Kravitz and um, George Harrison and the Traveling Wilburys and that little story. But I think it's great. I think every musician should go out and buy the book. I learned quite a lot. And uh, I look forward to the tour. And I want to tell everybody to go to your website, KathyValentine.com. So you could, you could hire her for a spokesperson. You could... Uh, buy the book and you can go check the Go Go's back out on tour. Thank you. Awesome, Kathy. Thank you very, very much for your time. It doesn't get any better than this. Kathy Valentine on WBXO, where classic rock and we are redefined. <laughs>